Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. We are here live. We're going to open up those phone lines right now, so start dialing. I've got a couple things I can talk about, but uh, today we're doing a one-hour free-for-all, anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone and join us. That number, 855 9503835 it is monday march 21st and again we are here live right now line up your calls we'll get to them um, in just a couple minutes anything goes looks like calls are coming in so i'm going to get to it pretty quick one thing i do want to mention um the the independent contractor rule um, just had a little action. So to go back um, under the Trump administration, we had a pretty good independent contractor rule about who is an independent contractor, who is an employee. Um, right away when the Biden administration came in, they changed that. They said, no, we're going to get rid of that rule and we're going to write our own. Well, they got rid of the Trump rule, but they didn't write their own. And it turns out once again, this administration seems to have a way of just just ignoring laws. Um, turns out that the way they did this was illegal, so a court has completely overturned it. So as of right now, the Biden administration will have to use the Trump-era rule for determining who is an independent contractor. That's a good thing. We we got some relief from the court. It should have never been done that way. And now it's been reversed. But on the other hand, um, one of the law firms that I follow in trucking wrote an opinion piece on this and said it would take the Biden administration about three to six months to get rid of the Trump rule correctly, not illegally, the way they did it the first time or tried to. Uh, three to six months to get rid of that rule and write their own. And he believes now that they may do that because of this ruling. So the ruling itself is good. We'll have to wait and see. Um, they believe that the Biden administration is going to use the ABC test in California. If they do that, it will become illegal for an owner operator to lease to a carrier. That would go away. We talked about that quite a bit for uh, almost a year when they were first doing this, but it looks like that issue is back. We have to remember elections have consequences. We have a chance to maybe correct some of this in November with uh, the midterm elections. I need to do a little digging. I'm not sure how this is going to work because Again, the Biden administration has a way of bypassing Congress, and, and instead of using laws, they use their government agencies. So I, I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm not sure if Congress could stop this if we had a Republican Congress or not, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, so uh, calls are starting to come in. Go ahead and line them up. I'm going to get to the calls uh, as long as... We've got calls. This show is all about what you want to talk about today. So if you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, COVID, politics, you name it. Anything goes. It is a free-for-all. The number to join us, 855-950-3835. If you are one of our new listeners on tncradio.live, welcome. Uh, like I said, anything goes. If you have a question, pick up the phone and join me. We do keep it all wrapped around that trucking lifestyle. We're going to get to the calls. Let's get started today in New York. Bill, welcome with, to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thank you. And just wanted to uh, reach back out to you. We spoke, uh, closed out the show on Friday. I had to talk to you about uh, the rough start I had in a lease program. 
difficulties uh, with uh, maintenance bills and such and how your advice and uh, the insight of even the drivers that call in, um, you know, helped me survive through it. And I wanted to call Good. today to uh, tell you where I'm at at that point. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about fuel purchases and, and such. All of that helped me to survive. And in uh, 2017, three months after uh, purchasing that lease truck, um, I had another breakdown, and I decided that was the last bill I was going to pay on that. The carrier okay. I was leased to um, had two things that, that I didn't like. Uh, the one, they wanted uh, all new lease, all new equipment leased to have the automatic brake system, and at that time, I had heard people were having issues with it. And the second thing was anything um, that any other equipment put on had to be 2010 emissions or not, and there was no way after my experience I was going to do that. So, right. Uh, and it was the best thing. I should have done it years ago. But uh, it gave me the excuse to apply to Landstar for the third time. I had been approved by them twice before during that five years. But I knew what I had where I was, and it was I was uh, nervous to uh, make a change. And now I had incentive. So I went out and bought a $12,900 truck that was 17 years old. Now... In comparison, that lease truck was 155, and with financing and the buyout, it was 192 thousand dollars. Is what that truck wow. cost me. Wow! Plus okay. the 103 thousand in maintenance, above and beyond what warranty paid for. Uh, so, wow. it was your wow. advice that gave me the confidence to go out and get a 12,900 dollar truck. It Good. happened to have a 1.4 million miles on it, and I had been doing oil samples all along in my other truck, and this truck with 1.4 million, 1.446, never in-framed. The oil samples were cleaner than that truck ever was, my previous truck, and also at that time I got rid of it, it was 650,000, so there was 230,000 miles on an in-frame, and this truck was still cleaner in wow. the oil sample than that was. So I leased a Landstar. It wasn't about six months into there. Now, I knew how to pick my loads and such. What was different was I was dealing with individuals. Just because I saw a load in the past, if I saw a load, I could click it, and it was mine. Okay. But in this time, I have the opportunity to build relationships with agents. Um and yes. negotiate with agents. Now, back at the other carrier, I dealt with one person. I, I think they called him an independent contact contract advisor. But yeah. uh, basically, they're a they, dispatcher that did everything but dispatch. It's funny how the industry over the last 20 years keeps coming up with new names for dispatchers, and they still do exactly. the same thing. But they, they keep right. thinking, if we change the name, it won't sound so bad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, well, anyways, this guy really respected me. He said, you know, I've got you know, hundreds. I can't remember what the number was, hundreds, and I was his number one guy. But underneath that contract, that meant nothing, Kevin. It didn't matter right. if I was the number one guy. It didn't affect the loads that were available to me, and it didn't affect the rate I got. So right. when I went to Landstar, I was able to build relationships that actually made a difference in the bottom line. And when I was, wasn't was there six months, Hurricane Harvey came through. And I was able to get on some FEMA work, which led to me actually being able to de-lease from them. Because it started out, they wanted to use my truck. And then they said, no, we want you to drive our truck. And I followed them from... from uh, Hurricane Harvey, uh, to Georgia, to Florida, and then to Puerto Rico. I had a year-long gig, and the only reason I, I ended it was uh, because my daughter was graduating uh, high school. And okay. Landstar allowed me to do that without a problem. And when I was, they said, tell me when you're ready, and we'll come back. If I would had that truck payment, that would have been a lot oh, yeah. more difficult thing to do. Uh, Absolutely, know, and I yeah, and, and I probably wouldn't have taken the risk. But that's a twelve thousand nine hundred dollar truck versus a 
you know, with the financing, a $192,000 truck. Now, it's I, not hard for anybody to figure out which one made more money. Yeah, and let's let's take another look at this. And I this is kind of an extreme because a lot of people would, wouldn't want to own multiple trucks, and then we have driver issues. I get that, but I, I just want to yep. – I want to put this perspective into somebody's head. So let's just say your other truck was 180 and the truck you bought was 20. Just so, you know, it's a little easier to do. But what that means is that we could buy nine of those $20,000 trucks. Nine for the same price as what you paid for one new one. Now, if we can solve the driver issues, and keep drivers in the tra- and I'll tell you how we solve the driver issues in a case like this. If you wanted to grow a fleet, I can find those twenty thousand dollar trucks all day long because my expenses are so low. I can now pay drivers better than average, and now I could go out and generate almost nine times the revenue for the same expense for the truck. That's You're- we just we have to think about that. And I'm not against buying new trucks. I bought new trucks for years, but I I didn't do it my first – oh, let me – well, I'd have to take that back. I did buy one new truck my second year in business, but I, it was a little city truck, a little Ford Louisville day cab with a six-speed. I bought it because FedEx had – Spartan at the time, I think, had uh, had cut such a great deal on it that I couldn't pass it up and I needed a city truck. Um, so I'm talking, I paid like 68,000 for this truck, which was a lot of money to me at the time. But you know, when, when, uh, they ended up ending our contract about a year after I bought that truck, they bought it back from me and I actually did really well on it. But other than that one, I'm trying to think I didn't buy a new truck in my operation till I was almost 10 years in. That was the first time I really went out and specced and bought a new over-the-road truck. So I'm not against buying new trucks, but it, you know, back then, you very seldom saw new owner-operators buying new equipment. For one thing, nobody would finance you. The rates were high, um, and a lot of people just didn't do it. Now, that's with lease exactly purchase, right. it seems like you've got all kinds of people with no experience the, running around the, the with, gift. like you just said, $190,000 trucks. It, it's it's uh well i was ignorant and yeah me the new truck and I, and you know you hear this a lot i'll have warranty i won't have maintenance issues if you get an old how, truck you'll end up with a maintenance you know how and, that, how and that's why i'm telling my for you <laughs> it, it wasn't worth the yeah <laughs> Yeah, I I would do it again. Let's put it that way. And uh, yeah, hey, you know, there's a there's another lesson here and a tie into my open. I like when calls tie into my open. Um, you mentioned Landstar, and if we get an ABC type test at the federal level, the way we have right now in California, California's law still mm-hmm. exists, and it is an ABC test. And what that means is without going into what ABC and all the rules and how they do it, what it really comes down to is if they do this at the federal level, it means that you will no longer be able to own a truck and lease it to a carrier. That model will go away completely. And I don't know if people understand how big that is. It's huge. I don't think that, yeah. So now I'm going to, let's think about the lease purchase guys. I don't know Mm -hmm. what will happen to them. The carriers may step in and change some things because they're going to be stuck with an awful lot of equipment they really didn't want. But in most of these lease purchase plans, you can't leave that company with that truck. So if this rule comes into play, I don't know what's going to happen to all those lease purchase trucks. And the guys who are leasing them will have to see how the industry responds to that. But here's the other thing. The only way you're going to be able to be an owner-operator under the new rule is technically you'll be a carrier. You'll have to go get your own authority. You have to um, – there's a lot that goes along with that. It's fairly expensive to get started. If somebody doesn't have the cash, that can be a problem. And you've got to have your own truck. 
I mean, it, it's going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible, to do with the, this with the lease purchase. And a lot of those guys, when when you were in your lease purchase, were you able to put a lot of cash aside, or were you running kind of check to check? I was running on credit. I was yeah, running oh, on, on credit. credit. Yeah, there you it go. Scared me to death. Yeah, yeah. Even worse, I'd like to so. say it was paycheck to paycheck, but it it, it, was, it was worse. It was paycheck yeah. to the, it was much worse. It was much worse. So at that time, if they would have come in and said, "Hey, look, you have to go get your own authority," you wouldn't have been able to financially. There is no way because I mean I've heard numbers as much as twenty eight thousand for a new authority for for insurance. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, insurance is outrageous. Yeah, and oh, you would yeah. have to have so, a lot of that cash up front. Yeah, that's right. So, and so now I, let's let's look at the difference of where you are when you're with Landstar. I've said for years and years and years, Landstar is as close as you're going to get to having your own authority without having your own authority. But you learn how to operate with your own authority. So I, those people have a huge head start. And the relationship, because the agents, if they can't, I mean, if if Landstar can't contract to owner operator or to you know lease on owner operator, those agents aren't going to close up shop. Just like I'm not going to close up shop. No, so there's see, relationships the, that have. Yeah, the the beauty of Landstar is they'll make this transition easier than anybody across the board. They already have agents that are independent contractors, so everybody, their agents. Wait a minute. Could an agent stay an agent at Landstar under the new rules? I think they could. That's going to be interesting. That would actually be a legal Wanna. question. I might run that by yeah. uh, I might run, run that by Scopolitis and Garvin. That's the law firm that's really on top of this. But I hadn't thought about that. But we'll set yeah, those yeah. guys aside. But the owner operators. Would, would go get their own authority, and you could still run exclusively Landstar Freight. You just run through their Absolutely. brokers instead. Right. That's right. Like the account that I'm on now, they wouldn't <clears> – <throat> right now they, they don't uh, uh, seek out uh, carriers to run it because uh, there's always the, the, the question in the agent's mind, are they going to try to underbid this lane exactly. you know, rather than right. dealing with the brokerage? So, but I had this discussion a couple years ago. It was March of 2020, I, I think, um, you were talking, and, and I'd already been talking to my wife for a few months, saying, you know, this is getting uh, kind of strange. It's time to uh, pay off debt. I was listening to Dave Ramsey, and then uh, by February of 2020, it was like, something's going on here. And then you came on the radio, and you said, you confirmed my thoughts that I'm not crazy. You said, you know, now's the time to pay off that and, and save and, and, you know, really. And uh, we really got on it. It was uh, that piece, and, and I was already there, but I wasn't confident, and you gave me the confidence. Uh, in April, the first week of April, the, the contract that I'm on, they shut down. Because they no longer needed contractors, they had just—they were just trying to keep their own drivers uh, moving, yeah. and uh, so that was a 12-week layoff. I took seven weeks, and I went—and I mean, I rebuilt things from the windshield wiper units on this truck, and, and I'd relax because I hadn't—we had been uh, working on paying off debt since 2018. Excellent. And uh, the wife went out. She works at a school. She went out, got a second job working a convenience store at night, and we just committed. And in 2020, when everybody had such a hardship, I was able to gross 208,000. Nice. In 2021, I grossed 311. One truck. Wow. wow. This year, I was projecting 400,000. But the way the fuel surcharge is going in my contract, if we don't get shut down because it's, you know it's too expensive to manufacture anything, I could now be looking at. Five hundred thousand with one truck. These, and I'm driving these that numbers, same truck, that thirteen thousand dollar truck. Yeah, it's that thirteen thousand um, dollar truck. And you know, there's a truck next to me that I'm sure is a you know, you know it's a beautiful truck. I'm sure it's a lease truck to a new driver, based upon some damage to the the rear uh, uh, fairing that I can see. 
Um, this truck makes probably more money than that truck. Oh, I'm sure. But it's certainly yeah. capable. It's capable of making the same amount, and it comes down to the ability to make relationships and, and be fluid. Um, that was a challenge for me, getting to know different agents when I came over, because I wasn't just clicking mine, and, and I had a number that I tried to make relationships with, and they're like, every time I'm in the area, I want you to pull, every time you're in the area, I want you to pull our freight. But they would never work to get me back, because there's some accounts that were wonderful. Every time I was in the area, I wanted it. They wanted me. Right. But right. they didn't work to bring me back, and that was a flaw. In my view, that's a flaw in their business model. You know, if they truly feel that way. But I've made a couple of relationships that the 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 first one was seasonal. Every time the season come around, I was the first one called. And it's because I treated them like a customer and I put myself in their view and their point of view and say, What would I want on their end? And let's make sure we negotiate a win win. And I was able to you know, to say no. Uh, and sometimes, and I could explain to them my numbers and why it didn't make sense for me because they don't, we don't know the the broker's business and they don't right. know our business. We're familiar exactly. with it, right. but if we can have the conversation with them about what are your needs and these are my needs, and and I can meet them, and then you work to make sure that you meet them flawlessly, and if you can't. Don't don't mess around. Tell them I, this doesn't work for me. I can't I can't make that obligation, and I'd rather tell you up front. Yeah, and absolutely. That is what's led. That's what's led me to the position that I'm in now. Is um, and the agent that I'm working for. The first couple times I reached out to him, it didn't work. I, I didn't pull a load. Um, right. And this is another thing that I'll I'll, I'll say real quick before I. Uh, uh, finish off with my thought on your open. Um, the two best, I deadheaded a thousand miles to, to uh, do that FEMA load that turned into a FEMA, turned into uh, Army Corps of Engineers that gave me a year's worth of work and an incredible right. amount of money. Right. This contract that I'm on that I've told you that, you know, has already been responsible for half a million dollars in two years <clears throat> revenue, that was a thousand mile deadhead initially. Right. People look at they look at it and like okay. they're, you know, looking at ten miles, a hundred miles, I don't too far. <laughs> that's you know, if I don't see something that I like in five hundred miles then I'll put in the system that my truck is listed 500 miles from where it is and see what's within 500 miles of that. See what so, else is out there. It doesn't hurt to look. True. And you found two examples where what everybody yeah. else would have considered extreme, really extreme, a thousand miles, I'll sit for a week. But I, I, that's what I'd hear from people. I'll sit for yeah. a week. I'm not moving my truck for that on and on and on. But here's, Two great examples was, were doing something that seemed extreme really paid off well for you. It wasn't a guarantee either, but I saw potential no, exactly. in both of them. Right. And, and they both turned out to exceed what I thought the potential was by a grand amount. But yep. it was a heck of yep. a lot better option than sitting well, around for a week. Let me give you another example of that. Uh, let me do this. We're, uh, we have lines open. Um, Go ahead and dial us up. This is a free-for-all day, 855-950-3835. If you dial right now, I promise you'll get in. Don't wait till the end of the show. happens every time I get down to the last 10 or 15 minutes, and I look and I have a bunch of calls, and I try to cram them in. So dial right now. If you want to get through, we can talk about anything you want to talk about. So, Bill, there, there's a you know a couple really good lessons here. Um, I will go back to something I did kind of the same way when uh, when Spart or um, RPS first started back in the mid '80s, and they opened a terminal in our area. I was in Richfield at the time, Ohio, and they opened a terminal one in Cleveland, one in Akron, and the one in Cleveland had a couple contractors. Pretty quickly, I even knew one of them um, that kind of controlled that terminal early. 
the terminal in Akron, they hired a contractor and he didn't last all that long. And they were getting rid of him and looking for somebody new. If I remember, I'm probably not going to be exact on these numbers, but I'm thinking it paid like 75 cents a mile for line haul and their their city work and you had to do both if you were going to go over to take this contract in akron you'd be the only contractor in the building and you would have to do the city work and the line haul work so it really took two drivers because all the city work was at night or, or during the day and the line haul was at night and the line haul was only 280 miles that was it that's all you got at night at 75 cents a mile it hardly paid anything. The city work was so complicated, and it turned out it didn't pay all that great either. All of my friends who were contractors went over there and said, oh, hell no, that contract sucks. I went over there. I looked at it. I thought, the money's not that great, but I wanted to go back to school, and I wanted to start you know, building the accounting side of the business, and I thought, if I take the line haul at night, it's only 280 miles. The whole thing you can get done in about six, six and a half hours with drop and hook and everything. I thought I could still go back to school during the day and I'll hire a driver to do the P&D work for me during the day. And I'm not going to make much money doing this, but it's a great opportunity. Well, that contract turned out to be pretty damn awesome over the years. I added multiple trucks. It made a lot of money over the years, and then I was able to sell it, sell the contract and the trucks together uh, in 2012 for a pretty nice chunk of change. And yet nobody wanted that contract. And honestly, the only reason I took it was because it just fit my situation. And and everybody else said, oh, you, you just shouldn't go run for that kind of money. Make them raise the pay. And I'm like, they're not going to raise the pay. This is what they pay all over the country. Either take it or you don't. And for me, it made sense to take it. And like you, the, the benefits turned out to be 50 times bigger than what I thought they were going to be. Yeah. There's a big difference when you have – you started off Friday with a, – it's a day of Fs. And, and I guess mine is free. It makes a difference when you're free. <clears throat> I guess I'll I'll state this. My wife and I – over the last four years, but primarily started in 2020 when it went down, we paid off everything. We awesome. don't owe. We paid. Awesome. We were, I, I did the wire transfer to pay the house off in November wow. 19. Wow. So we owe no one anything, and it's because of the advice and the confidence that that you provided me. And it's helped me to, to 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 get out and force out things that I was thinking to have a conversation with my wife. And um, we're in a situation now where we're free to take that next step. You know, at that time, I was free to take that thousand-mile deadhead. The people that told you that you shouldn't take that, they they couldn't pay their bills if they took exactly. that 75 right. cents and that's the difference if if it if it had turned out where it wasn't uh didn't didn't prosper the way it did for you and it came to a time then you could have um walked away from it but at yeah, that the, time you were in a position to take the opportunity and and part of the reason was i had multiple trucks at the time I mean, I was young. I was like still in my first yep. like, four years, but I still had trucks. I had the one at Spartan. I had um, one running on its own authority. I had a couple doing some other local work. So I was really able to say, okay, I can take a risk on this. I'm going to go buy a, a really inexpensive truck and I'll I'll take a chance and I can probably make this work and it worked out great. You know, if we look at, um, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with the phones. We have an awful lot of people listening. Like our listener numbers are going up every week, which is awesome. But uh, you're not calling. Pick up the phone and call me. I'm sure somebody has a question or something they want to talk about. We've got open lines right now. So dial us up 
855-950-3835. I have plenty to talk about today, but uh, I'd rather talk with you guys. So pick up the phone and join me. So, Bill, I want to go back a little bit. Just make a comparison because we have time today, so we might as well use our time wisely, and I think we could help a lot of other people. Look at your two operations. The first one, you kind of jumped in, did the same thing a lot of other people did, really didn't you know, put a lot of effort into it like many of us do. We, we don't even know what we don't know in the beginning sometimes. And right. you were in a position that we could just about say there was no way that business was going to succeed. If you I would have worried on a regular to, basis, yeah, I, I'm sure sleeping at night sucks. You start to fight with your spouse because you're both stressed out and worried. And, uh, you know, she might have gone out and gotten a second job just to help you keep the truck going, but you would have never gotten ahead. And if you would have managed to maybe pay off the truck, although I can't even imagine the odds were so stacked oh. against you. Now well, you look I managed at, to do it, but it was. It, <laughs> I kept thinking if I'll, if I get through this, that I'll get it paid off. I think it'll be better. Well, yep. much easier to pay off this truck than it was that. Yeah. So now, and and we could talk about were you really happy back then? Were you running freight you wanted to run? Were you able to make the decisions you wanted to make, or were you? And we know the answer. You were forced to sure. make decisions you didn't want to make. People in that position are many times forced to say, boy, I really should upgrade my truck to get better fuel economy and lower my maintenance costs, but I can't. I don't have any money. They're put in positions of, I really need new tires, but I can't afford them, so I'm going to buy recaps. They, they start making decisions that they really don't want to make. They know it's not the right decision, but it's it's all you have. Now, let's compare that to today's operation where all of your bills are paid. You work when you want to work. You have a a solid, dependable truck, and you have option after option after option. And when we look at what's going on in our economy right now, what an amazing change you've made. Well, and and one thing to consider, because I'm in in a position, too, when the market – when market corrects itself and it and it makes sense uh the truck prices are are uh more reasonable i can buy three more trucks i can sit this I, truck as a spare and yeah. uh put drivers in and i i can put drivers in at a very healthy wage exactly um, the uh and the difference you know when you're stressed like that People like to be around happy people. You can tell the difference when you call somebody <laughs> right. on the phone. Yeah. You know you know over the phone if they're smiling or not. And uh, that might affect some of these negotiations. It might be part of the reason that Absolutely. I've been so successful, you know, uh, uh, dealing with making, building relationships. Besides being right. honest, you know, uh, and always uh, under-promising and over-delivering, you know. Hey, hey um, Bill, that's a that's yeah. another great point, and we also know that when it comes to negotiation and if we want to build long-term relationships, then we want to practice true win-win negotiation. And there Absolutely. are times when there's an opportunity out there, and it's a big one, and we need to prove ourselves. And if we have that wiggle room because we're financially sound, we can offer – a lower rate. Let me let me do that at a lower rate and prove myself. I see this opportunity. I want to make sure I get a shot at this. So I'll come in at a lower rate. And people listening will say, oh, well, there's why we have such low rates. Because people like, no, that's not how this works. If you know you can take a lower rate to prove yourself, then you can get paid what, what it's really worth. But you got to get in. And I'll give an extreme example. I've talked about this many times. When I first decided I wanted to do seminars, why would anybody have hired me? It, I, I'd never done a seminar. I, nobody knew if I was any good at doing seminars. Why would anybody hire me to do that? Well, the only way they would was I did it free. Not only did I do it free, I paid my own expenses to get there. But I could. 
because I was financially sound in other parts of my business, that turned out to be a really, really lucrative contract. At, at one point, I was getting paid a lot of money to do seminars. But in the beginning, I did them free and paid money out of my pocket to go do it. And that's what sometimes we've got to put ourselves in our customer's uh, seat. And first, we've got to understand, like you've always said, that broker, that agent is your customer. <clears throat> that sometimes these uh, loads that you run across, maybe it's not the rate, but you dig into a little bit and you find out, well, this broker is just building this relationship with the shipper. And if they can provide good service on this lower, less favorable rate, there'll be other lanes that will be open that another carrier currently has. And that works the same way for the driver. So if you're if you're in a good financial position, can take that and be the one responsible for that broker uh, building that client. Exactly. Then yeah. you're gonna get. Guess who's gonna get the best lanes that come available? And they might exactly. not look at, and be even I, in the same hemisphere as what you start I, on. But you can't do yeah. that if you've leased yourself out and borrowed yourself out to the max. That's a good point. Hey, Bill, they uh, they finally started calling. I don't know what if I just good. woke them up or what. So great conversation. I'm going to let you go. Um, the awesome lessons in there. I love that. Uh, calls are finally starting to fly in, and now I better get to them here uh, pretty quickly. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Gene, welcome to the program. Hey, good day, Kevin. How you doing today? Doing great. What's on your mind? Well, first I want to touch base with you real quick about the, the book I brought over to you. Has it been uh, beneficial to you, the electronics? Well, not yet, but it's sitting here right on my desk, so I can't forget about it. So right, on this trip right, so right. far since I saw you, I've either been busy working on the coach itself. I had a couple issues this morning. I didn't want to kind of in the house issues on the coach, so that took some time in this this weekend, I just visited with my family and kind of hung out in the woods here, um, which was pretty awesome. As well. Yeah, so it, it's I'm looking at it right now thinking, you know, I kind of flipped through it. There's some really good stuff in there. And I thought I was going to jump around a little bit. And I can read pretty fast. So all I really need is like one good afternoon. And I may, the truck show's coming up this week, so probably not this week. Uh, but once the truck show's over, I'm not even sure where I'm going yet, but uh, I'll have time. And I just want to read it from front to back. I, I just want to get right. that whole big picture in my head instead of jumping around trying to say, oh, well, what what can I learn about this? So I'm just going to open it up. I'm going to start at the beginning. And what I really want to do is read it right straight through in one shot. I really like to do that. So I need maybe... I'm looking at the book, maybe five or six hours in a day, and I'm going to just blow right through the whole thing. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and there's some practical exercises in there to help, um, you know, Good. Put, put some thought to it and understand it. Uh, my other, my main question is, I know uh, I, when I talked to you, I told you I was almost in line to get a new Volvo, and the, the somebody else had put money down on it before I got to it. And my salesman has talked to his regional manager. They can put me in to maybe get one here before the end of the year. Would it be a good time to do that or hold off? What What's the cost? Uh, 189. You know that's a so give me the give me the details on this truck. Uh, it's uh, the brand new Volvo, the, the turbo compounded with the 216 rear end, the 13 speed automatic transmission. I, I got a hold of Joel, and we got the okay. specs out from Joel. So, you know, it, it seemed like it was just, you know, I know it was a couple of years ago, but it, it just seems like 150, 160 was what we paid for new trucks. Granted, we have some new technologies, and so. You know, I talked about the other day. I ran into somebody who paid two forty for a year old truck. I, I think that is so hard to recover from. You're stuck with that big payment for a long time. 
You can't really get rid of the truck because you're more than likely going to be upside down. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. It may be a long, long time, if ever, to where the price of that Volvo would come back down. That may be the new normal. 180, 190 on a, you know, a well-spec truck may be normal. Truck, yeah, the price for the truck itself was like 167 but you had $20,000 in the FET. Well, it, yeah, and I just consider that part of the truck because there's no way around it. Right. And people say, well, buy a used one. Well, look what just happened. Somebody paid 240 So because the yeah. FET is considered for by all of us, that's just part of the price. That props up the price of the used truck too. So technically, you end up paying something similar to the FET tax on a used truck just because they can do that and still be competitive against the new truck price. So we, we all right, end up get, paying that FET almost on every truck we buy. But if um, you get that truck spec the way that I want it, you can't find that used right now. Correct. Right. And, and that is another issue. So I, you know, if I got nine calls today about buying a new truck, eight of them I'd probably answer no. This one, I'm probably going to say, yeah, I think if I were in a position to buy a new truck, I had the finances, it wasn't a big struggle, I think I would probably buy one at that price. And I would still have my other four trucks running. Exactly, right. Yeah, now, again, if you were a new caller and you're a new owner-operator, I'd say, oh, hell no, don't even take that kind of risk. You've been doing this a while, you've got multiple trucks, you know what you're doing. I doubt that the price of that Volvo is going to come down any time in the next couple of years, if ever. This may just be our new normal on truck pricing. So, you know, I'm saying probably any new truck under 200 these days is probably what we're going to end up spending. And that's with the benefits of what the possibilities of the fuel economy with that truck is what really made me change my philosophy on kind of truck do I run? You know, right, right now I'm driving a 2001 Volvo down the road and it's my second trip, trip out with this truck. I just purchased, I bought it for $10,000 back in December. Uh, and I put maybe Got another it. 10 into it and I'm down the road making money with it. So. Yep. No, I think you're in good shape and I think uh, for you, you can probably go ahead and do this without any big worries. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, not sure and where the state of the economy and uh well nobody really knows what's I, going on for certain with all the turmoil. I, I'm I'm pretty sure we're in for a pretty big correction. But like I've always said, it doesn't really matter. We when you're a good owner operator you put yourself in that ten, twenty percent of the industry anyway, there's always gonna be freight. You'll always be able to make money with it. You're buying a truck that will likely get nine miles to the gallon and maybe even better. And we know how to take care of them when they're specced right. We don't have the maintenance issues. So these trucks are, when you do it right, now, going out and buying the wrong truck now, non-aerodynamic, lots of expenses, high fuel cost, that would be a different story. Uh, I'm going to cut you loose, but uh, yeah, I think you're uh, I think you're in a good position to go ahead and do that. Let's go to the phones. They're starting to come in. I want to get to them now. We're going to head off. Uh, Zena, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm hoping you could help me. Um, lately, I, I've been doing paleo now for about four years, low-carb paleo. And I got COVID really bad at the end of the year. And ever since then, I don't know if it's because of that, but um, I've had a little bit of bloating and a little bit of belly fat. And I just wondered if I had inflammation, if you had any ideas about something else I could clean up in my diet. Yeah, we could certainly talk about that. You know, COVID is bringing up a lot of issues in the health world right now in both ways. One, people who get COVID can have some weird lingering kind of effects, and people with the vaccine can have all kinds of crazy effects. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of data. I've been saying mm -hmm. it for two years. Everybody else has been saying it for two years. We need to know, you know, everything's either hidden or you can't find it or they're lying about it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am starting to believe that 
this virus is manipulated at the very least by human beings because of all these weird lingering kind of things we're seeing. And we might be able Mm -hmm. to figure them out and how to deal with them if we can just get more data, but it feels like we're kind of working in in the blind. So let's talk about a couple things. I'm assuming nothing Mm -hmm. has really changed in your diet. Right. Nothing's changed. Okay. Now, this one's always hard to judge, but I would also have to say that what has changed in your life is your stress levels are probably higher. Would you say yes or not so much? Or how do you feel like you're dealing with the stress of what life's been like for the last couple of years? Uh-oh. Zena, did we lose you? Did we lose me? Uh, looks like I'm still here. I, I think I'm still here. Can oh. you hear me? Oh, there you are. Now I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure, not sure what happened there. Um, so... Stress could be a part of it. So if you've been listening, if you're, I know you're on the website, you've seen the stress protocols, anything you can do around those, the, the cold exposure, okay. the sauna blanket, the breathing, the uh, okay. resistance training or some, some high intensity activity, um, mm-hmm. meditation, mindfulness, all of that stuff can really help bring that stress level down. And that stress level does have an impact on us. The other thing okay. I would say is you mentioned some bloating and some belly fat. Do you feel like you've gained weight on the scale or have you checked? No, I haven't. I okay. haven't. I'm the same That's weight. That's a good sign. Yeah, it just seems like, okay. That's a good sign. So really, um, it's interesting how we can actually go from, you know, your 30 pants size fits great today and all of a sudden it's tight tomorrow. And we're like, what the hell happened? I couldn't have gained weight overnight. We can get a lot of kind of bloating and inflammation in that area, and it makes it feel like we're actually gaining weight. That's why this is one time I do like to check the scale, because that's not what Mm -hmm. we're dealing with here. We are dealing with some some inflammation in the middle of the body. Um, Okay. So... One of the things I like to do when we have inflammation is actually keep cutting more out of the diet. It's okay. something in the diet is causing it. Um, do you eat a lot of eggs? Uh, yeah, we have chicken, so yes, I do. You know, Probably one a day. Since they're natural and you're raising them themselves, you're, I kind of doubt that that's the problem, but we can usually tell pretty quick. I mean, if you were just to skip eggs for a week, we would know if that's mm-hmm. the problem. You don't need to go do a $500 food sensitivity test. Just skip eggs for a week. And we know that <laughs> that can be one of the big culprits eggs and okay. dairy. So if you're also eating dairy, I, I would cut out both eggs and dairy for seven days. Okay. And okay. See yeah, I have happens. heavy whipping and cream. And, yeah, mm. I would, I would cut that out for a week. I would cut out all dairy for a week, all eggs, and I would lean heavier towards meat and seafood and even go a little lighter on the veggies. And let's see, if, let's see what that does. Okay. Try it for one week. Okay. Now, are, are you also getting any kind of um, like pain and pressure up high after you eat where maybe you're even, you're kind of burping a lot? And are you getting any of that? No, no, nothing like okay. that. So probably nothing like SIBO then. Um, I just think we've got a food somewhere in the diet that maybe that combined with some stress is kind of uh, giving you this. So let let's kind of Cut that stuff out of the diet. Try to lower our stress, and let's see what happens in seven days. Okay, great. I do have one of those sauna blankets. Should I be using it more often? I've been doing it about once a week. Oh, I would do, for this seven days. I would do it every day. Okay. Yep, All I would right, do it every great, day for you. these seven days. Yep. And uh, I want to hear back from you next Monday. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll talk to you then. Let's go to Iowa. Kevin, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Um, I have a problem with, uh, you know, well, to start out with here, I, you know, have ventured out here on my own, um, you know, running off the load board. 
uh, I have an opportunity here now to start to build some one-on-one type relationships, but um, I'm at like a roadblock as to how to do that, how to introduce myself, you know, and, you know, to get past this barrier that, you know, I, I just seem like I just can't get to that point to walk into a room and uh, ask for somebody, you know, to do business with somebody. I just, I, I, I have this mental block on it, and I have yeah, no the, idea how to get through this. This is a difficult thing. Um, this is why a lot of people fail as a broker. You know, in this industry, it's really common for somebody with driving experience or maybe even some owner-operator experience, and and maybe they want to get off the road. Maybe it's family issues, whatever. They're just tired of being gone all the time. You know, it seems like a natural progression. Well, I could go be a broker, and I could stay at home, and hell, I could even work at home if I wanted. But what they don't realize is about 90% of being a broker is just pure sales. That's what brokers are. They're salespeople. And sales are difficult. It's one of the reasons why sales can pay so well if you're really good at sales because it's supply and demand. There aren't that many people who are really good at sales. It's a, it can be a difficult job. And, and I've said this many times. Look at the personality of somebody who would want to be a truck driver. You're alone most of the time. And when you do have to interact with people, it's usually for a short period of time and then you move on. It's not like you're actually building relationships with people when you're on the road. You run into them, you got to deal with them for a couple minutes, maybe an hour, and then you move on. And other than that, we, we kind of stay alone in the truck. We don't really have to interact with people. We don't have to ask for much. We can kind of do things ourselves. So truck drivers usually make the worst salespeople. They're almost the exact opposite of a salesperson, and it's not easy. Um, One of the things I will say is that once you learn how to do something, even if it's uncomfortable, it becomes a little bit easier. So how many books have you read or listened to on sales? Uh, I haven't listened to anything yet. Good, good. Yeah, Um, go listen to anything by Zig Ziglar on sales. Zig Ziglar has done a ton of stuff on sales. He does goals and all kinds of things. Um, And most of his material is probably 30 years old by now. So what? Um, Just go listen to it anyway. Nothing's really changed in sales. There's no cutting edge technology around sales techniques. It's the same stuff it's been for a thousand years. Um, there's a really good little book that I'd start with called The Greatest Salesman in the World. I remember, right? That's by Ogmandino, I think. Um, let me go check because it's been a lot of years since I read that one. Um, greatest Salesman in the World. Yeah, that's Ogmandino. Uh, it was actually written in 1968. Um, wow. Great, great place to start, though. And then... There are thousands of books on sales, and it, check out a couple, see what you find. Um, like I said, this one, um, anything by uh, Zig Ziglar, um, Brian Tracy. If you can still find some stuff out there, and you should be able to from Brian Tracy, he has some great sales stuff as well. Uh, another book that I think might kind of help. The Richest Man in Babylon. That's another old classic that I really like. So lots of good material. You probably find some great online courses. You know, it's interesting, too. I There's a commercial right now for a guy called, I think his name is Jason Evans, and he bills himself as the number one sales trainer in the world. Um let me see if I got that. Yeah, I think I have that name right. Now, I know nothing about this guy, um, except I keep hearing his commercials all the time. 
And it might be okay to check him out. He may have some really good stuff too. I have a feeling he does. If he's, you know, if he's been doing sales training this long, he's probably got really good material. But in one of his commercials, I think I heard a statistic. I may not get it exactly right, but I think he says something like 80% of salespeople have never read a single book on sales. So if you just read one, you've given yourself a leg up over all the other 80%. But for you right now, I think what will happen is the more you learn and the more you read about this and it starts to become normal. Well, here's what you go in. Here's what you talk about. Here's some ideas. I just think that's going to kind of give you just enough confidence for you to go out and try this once. And once you try it once, I promise, no matter how uncomfortable that first sales call is going to be, I promise you won't die. I don't know what else might happen, but I'm pretty sure you're not going to die. And you'll walk out and you'll go, "Oh, oh, man, that sucked. But it'll be a little easier the second time. So really, I think if you just listen to a couple books, kind of immerse yourself in this, I think it's going to give you the courage to go out and do it that first time. And then I can promise you it always gets easier after that. All right. Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll definitely uh, check out those books there and and get to doing the homework. Excellent. Good. All right, give that a shot and uh, call me back and let me know how it goes. I always like to get feedback on uh, on stuff like this. All right, I've got uh, just a couple minutes to grab one last call here. We're going to go to Detroit. Alan, welcome to the program. Yes, hi. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing good. What can I help you with? Hey, a quick comment uh, about serious exam uh, first and then a couple of questions. Uh, if I may please. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think the serious exam would, you know, waiting on you for a long time, you know, for um, uh, kind of around the corner for you to say something, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, to get rid of you, <laughs> you know, because uh, those guys, they don't share, you know, the same views as you right. do. Uh, and uh, and uh, that's, uh, you know, understandable. I mean, probably know that but uh yeah uh, that's that's okay i think you know you you're doing better now so uh yeah i like this i'm i'm having know, fun <laughs> yeah yeah that's good uh and uh, a question about an oil sample um that came back um was flagged at level two um yeah I think I yeah and we we do need to talk about it and i want to get to it pretty quick do you have a good engine shop that you trust uh, I do not. Can you get to Pittsburgh, Kyle? Uh, uh, yeah, I was there once, but uh, I need to get it, you know, scheduled in because it's a mechanical. I, I, I call them that this isn't critical, like you can still drive this truck, but you are going to have to watch your oil samples. I would also add some Lucas oil conditioner, their oil stabilizer. I would put uh, the next mm-hmm. time you need oil, put in a gallon of that. Um, you have true fuel dilution. We had 5.1. So we've got to get right. these injectors tested, and Pittsburgh Power is the best place to get it done. Okay. Uh, the viscosity is still good, right, for now, so I can still drive it? Yeah. Yeah, you're fine. Have, like, viscosity is not, yeah. Okay. It, it definitely, okay. it, it's coming down, and we know that. So it's time to throw some more Lucas in there when it needs some oil. Um keep sampling until we get this figured out. But I, I'm pretty sure um, you're probably going to end up needing injectors on this one. Um, but we don't want to go out and buy them. There's a couple things they can test first, and um, that's what I would recommend. So uh, go ahead and get that done. Um, in the meantime, keep an eye on it. Keep some Lucas in there, and you should be fine. We are going to wrap this up today. Uh, for the most part, while I'm on the road, uh, until some things clear up, we're probably just going to be able to get to this one live hour. We do have lots of shows we're working on in the background, and we will be bringing you new content and new shows as often as possible. All right, we will... Uh, We will see you back here tomorrow. It will be the Power Hour. We'll be joined by the team from Pittsburgh Power tomorrow. Be safe. 
be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey. Goodbye, everyone.